0: We hope these next few moments encourage you, challenge you, and inspire you to be who God has created you to be. We hope you enjoy it. Good morning, everybody. Great to see you. Great to be back here in the room with you. And if you're watching online, it's great to have you joining in with us as well. Uh, This morning, we get to celebrate baptism. The Holy Horse Trough is back, and uh, we are just going to go for it. The water is warm still. Uh, Praise God for that. So um, these are my favorite Sundays. I I look forward to these. I mark them on my calendar. I know they're coming because to me, there's nothing greater we could celebrate in this world than new life in Jesus. And so uh, we are also in week number two of the series we've been working through uh, called House of Prayer. And as you just kind of heard a minute ago, we just really sense that right now what God is doing is he's calling us back to himself in prayer. in in this season of our lives. And so last week, if you were with us, we we began by looking at an image together. And so this is the image we started with. This is just a broken well. You can see that nasty, like rancid water, and there's nothing that you would want to actually take a drink out of. And what we we did last week is we looked at Jeremiah 2.13, which is passage of scripture where God is speaking to his people through the prophet Jeremiah, and he says, my people Israel have committed two sins. The first sin is that they have turned away from me the fountain of living water, and the second sin is that they have turned to their own broken wells, their own broken cisterns that can't hold water, and so what we said is what are the broken wells in our lives that we need to begin, we begin in prayer by acknowledging the broken wells that we've run to, and a broken well is basically this, it's any human solution that we go to first to meet an ultimate need. A broken well is any human solution that we look to first to meet a spiritual or an ultimate need. And so today, because that message uh, is a great starting place, but it's an incomplete message of what we're really doing when we come to God in prayer. Today, what we're doing is we're taking the next step and we're saying, after we've turned from our broken wells, how do we actually come to Jesus as the ultimate solution to every single need that we have? That's what we're looking at today. How do we actually do that? Um, how many of you are excited this fa- This past week we experienced our first snow of the season? How many of you were like, oh, that was so great. I'm so excited. Uh, like two hands, three hands. Okay. How many of you were absolutely disgusted that we already experienced our first snow of the season? Okay. A lot more hands uh, up for that one. Okay. So I know who we're dealing with here. Um a guy named Terry Spatosky, who's been part of our church for a long time, a good friend of mine, He served in our tech booth for many years. He told me a story several years ago that I absolutely loved. He said when he was in high school, it was like a huge snow had hit the ground. It's the middle of winter. It's freezing cold outside. And so what he and a few of his buddies decided to do is they were going to drive around in their car late at night, and they were going to look for snowmen to destroy like kind of, you know, just a bunch of jerk guys in high school. And so they're driving through, the, you know, these neighborhoods. They're looking for snowmen. And they, they go through this neighborhood and they see out in this yard, someone has built this pristine, beautiful snowman. And so the car stops and one of Terry's buddies jumps out and says, okay, I got this one. And so what he does is he runs full tilt and he just football tackles this snowman, just obliterates it. Just absolutely knocks down this snowman. And all the guys in the car laugh, ha, ha, ha. And then he jumps in the car, and they drive off. A couple nights later, Terry and his friends are driving through the same neighborhood. They drive by the same house, and to their surprise, someone has rebuilt this snowman. It's the exact same snowman. They they built it back up again. It's got the, you know, the coal eyes, the little, you know, the mittens on the end of the stick arms and everything. And so this time, Terry says, okay, stop the car. It's my turn to knock down the snowman this time. So they look, you know, nobody's looking, it's dark, it's late at night. Terry gets out of the car and he assumes the position to run and football tackle the snowman. Now at this very moment, what Terry does not know is that the people who rebuilt the snowman the second time have made a strategic move. What they've done this time is they rebuilt the snowman, but then they took multiple buckets of water and have poured the water over the snowman again and again. So it looks like the same snowman. Looks exactly the same. It looks great. But actually, the snowman is just a solid block of ice, like a brick wall that is fastened to the ground. And so Terry runs as fast as he can, and he hits the snowman, and the snowman tackles Terry to the ground. And all the guys in the car laugh, but this time they're laughing for a different reason. And he gets back in the car humbled, and they drive away. I tell you that story to illustrate this idea there are two ways that you can protect your snowman. One is to make your snowman safer. The other is to make your snowman stronger. Right? There are two ways you can protect your snowman. You can make him safer. You can get, you know, motion detector lights and and build a fence around your snowman and get a guard dog and post him out there. Or you can simply just take buckets of water and dump them on your snowman and just make him stronger. Prayer, having a devoted, abiding prayer life in Jesus is like that. Prayer doesn't necessarily make us safer. What it does is it actually makes us stronger. So that the things that are running at us, the things that are going to be charging at us in our world, it's not that necessarily prayer makes us safer from those things. But what it does is it grounds us, it roots us in, in our true strength in Christ. And that's what makes us stronger in Him. And so today, what we're talking about, the big idea, the main idea is this, what we need is not a safer Christianity or a safer religion, but a strength that can only come from an abiding relationship with Jesus in prayer. What we need is a strength from Jesus in prayer that makes us stronger in him, not necessarily safer. And here's the good news about this. Jesus actually wants to give you that. That's a prayer he actually does want to answer. It's something he wants us to experience. So then the question is, how? How do we experience that? How does prayer and coming to Jesus in prayer actually become that in our lives? So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look at a passage in John chapter 7. So if you've got, you got your Bible, you can turn there uh, with me or you can go to your Bible app or, or you can follow along on the screen And let me set the stage for you a little bit. In John chapter 7, Jesus has gone to Jerusalem to the temple during one of the high feasts of the Jewish calendar year. There were seven feasts, giant festivals of the Jewish calendar year. And Jesus is there for this multi-day festival called the Feast of Tabernacles. So, So imagine if you're there... Just people have just swarmed into the city of Jerusalem. People have come from all these, all the areas, and the temple is absolutely packed with people, and everybody is kind of waiting. They, they've been looking for Jesus, waiting for him to make an appearance. This is verse 37. It says, On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, Rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this, he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Now, if I could, I want to just sort of uh, put you in this moment. I want to just give you kind of a picture of this moment and the significance of what's happening. Okay, so it says, on the last and greatest day of the festival, the Feast of Tabernacles. So if I could describe for you, um, the last and greatest day of the Feast of Tabernacles would have been day seven. And so what's been happening in the temple is for six straight days, all the people are gathered in there and there has been a water ritual that's been happening every single day. So here's what would happen. Every day, what the priests would do is they would take this very large golden vessel and they would march in procession from the temple in Jerusalem to the pool of Siloam, which is right there in Jerusalem, and they would fill up this huge uh, vessel of water, and then they would march in procession all the way back into the temple, all the way back to the altar, and while everyone watched, a choir would sing Hallel Psalms, and they would take this big vessel of water, and they would dump it out on the altar, this very dramatic, symbolic event, your water would be gushing down the, the size of the altar and running down. And the idea is, as you watch this every single day, it was supposed to remind God's people of how God had provided water for them during their time where they had been in the desert. The 40 years that they had wandered in the desert, God provided water from the rock. And it was also supposed to be kind of a symbolic act of thanksgiving for the rain that had watered the crops over the past year. And so, for six days, every day, you watch the priest do this. And then, on the last and greatest day of the festival, the priest would actually do this seven times. Seven is the number of completeness in uh, Jewish thought. And so literally what they would do seven times, you would stand there and you'd watch. The priest would come back with that from the pool of Siloam with this huge golden vessel. They would dump the water out again and again and again seven times. So imagine you're packed in there with this huge crowd. Water is just gushing down the altar. It's flowing in like streams and rivers. Your feet are getting wet because you're standing in all this water. And it's at that moment that Jesus stands up and at the top of his lungs, he says, if anyone is thirsty, come to me. Come to me. And don't miss the significance of this moment. What Jesus is saying here in this act by standing up and saying, come to me, he's not saying, hey, come to me if you're thirsty, I have some water. He's not saying, come to me if you're thirsty. I have some better water than the water that's being poured out right here. He's literally saying, come to me because I am the water. I am the water. I'm the one that that points to. I don't, he's not saying, I have some answers. He's saying, I am the answer. And in this moment, what we, we really see a picture of how Jesus saves us. We see a picture of the gospel and how Jesus actually saves and rescues us. If a man is drowning, literally if he's like going under and he can barely keep his head above the water, what you do not do is you don't take a manual on how to swim and throw it to the guy and say, hey, read that and then you'll you'll know how to swim and you'll be able to save yourself. That's not what Jesus does. Jesus doesn't come to throw us a manual and say, here, here here's, let me show you how to save yourself so you can do the work. By the way, did you know that's what every other major world religion offers? Every other major world religion offers a manual on how to save yourself. A, a holy man appears, a sage, a prophet, or, or an enlightened person appears in every other major world religion, and what they offer is a path. A path away. If you follow these rules, if you follow this path, if you do these things, then you will be able to save yourself. That's what every other world religion offers. That's not what Jesus is offering here in this moment. Jesus doesn't throw us a manual. He doesn't, help, he doesn't come to help us learn to save ourselves. Jesus himself is the rescue for the drowning man. Jesus is the one who reach in. It's him. It's he himself. Jesus, and that's the gospel, that Jesus' death on the cross was a sacrificial death on our behalf, paying the price for all of our sins, all of them past, present, and future. And his resurrection was new life for us. Jesus is the rescue. We put our faith in him, and we are saved. That, that's the picture of what Jesus is giving us here in this moment now, what Jesus is indicating that we're doing that in prayer is that what we're doing in our spiritual lives and in prayer is we're turning away from uh, these, these broken vessels, these broken wells. In fact, Jesus is, re- is actually kind of making a reference to Jeremiah 2.13. God says, you've turned away from me, the fount of living water. And Jesus says, I am that living water. So what we're doing is we're turning away from the broken wells in our lives. And then what we're doing is we're coming to Jesus as our ultimate solution to our deepest needs, as the ultimate solution to everything that we could possibly need. And so when we do that, he he promises, he says, the Holy Spirit becomes like this fountain of living water flowing from within our lives, flowing out into every part of our lives. It it makes us stronger. doesn't necessarily make us safer. When the Holy Spirit becomes that source in your life because Jesus is where you're running, it, it makes you stronger. And that's what he's inviting us into. That's what he's inviting us to experience. So why don't we experience this? It's because the places we run to first are not Jesus. We we keep going to government and wondering why that isn't producing living water. We run, run to relationships and we can't figure out why that isn't producing living water. We run to alcohol or pornography, and we can't figure out why that isn't producing living water in our lives. We run to food. Even though food is a good thing and we need to eat it to survive, food can become an ultimate thing that that we are running to to ultimately satisfy the deepest needs of our lives. And again and again and again, it comes up short. Again and again, we find that those things aren't satisfying. And so we have to come to Jesus. We have to come to him. That's the invitation this morning. And so, uh, two things I want to give you. First, I want to give you the problem with prayer, the way, the way that we approach Jesus in prayer. Here's the problem with prayer, and then I want to give you the goal of prayer, what our goal should be when we come to Jesus in prayer, okay? So, the problem with prayer and the goal of prayer. So, the problem with prayer is that we don't think Jesus is the answer. When we come to Jesus in prayer, we don't actually think he himself is the answer to our prayer, So what we do is we come to Jesus, but we come to Jesus so he'll give us an answer so that we can continue to work and we can continue to strive in our own power. And if I can just tell you here, Jesus will never invest in strengthening your independence from him. That's not what he wants to do. Jesus doesn't want to answer prayers that will help you carry things that you were never intended to carry in your relationship with him. He won't do that. The invitation of Jesus again and again, you see it in Matthew 11. He says, come to me if you're weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. In other words, trade your burdens for my rest. Take your yoke upon you, my yoke upon you because I am humble and gentle, and you will find rest for your souls. He's saying, I was intended to carry the weight, not you. In John 15, a few chapters after the one that we're looking at today, Jesus, uh, the metaphor he gives, he says, I am the vine, you're the branches. And so when you come to me, he says, like you're coming to me to abide in me, to rest in me, to remain in me. So it's my power that does the work flowing through you. Apart from me, he says, you can do nothing. You can do nothing. You can't produce any fruit. And so... Oftentimes, we come to Jesus, but we don't come to Him as the answer. We come to Him for an answer or for some safety or for some protection or for whatever it is. But He Himself is the answer. I love this quote by F.B. Meyer. It says, the only hope of a decreasing self is an increasing Christ. The only hope of, of being able to actually turn away from these broken wells that we run to, these human solutions that we run to first in our lives, is for Jesus to become ultimate. For Jesus to become the one who we see as the answer to, our, to all of our deepest needs and problems, we come to Jesus in prayer, but we have to believe that he actually is the answer. He himself is that answer. That's the problem with prayer. Then the goal then of prayer, what we're really trying to do when we come to Jesus in prayer, the goal of prayer is not answers. The goal of prayer is a surrendered life. That's what we're looking for. The goal of prayer is not ultimately answers. It's to come to this place where we have fully surrendered our lives to him. So that our lives are in his hands. So that he is the one who is directing. He's the one who bears the burden. He's the one that's providing for us. So, so let me ask you, um, what situations in your life drive you to pray? Like, what are the situations in your, in your life that cause you to go, man, I, I just need to pray? If you're anything like me, usually those situations are where a well that I've been running to suddenly can't produce answers for me anymore. It's, it's gone completely dry. I'm sorry to say that you know, Jesus isn't always my first place I run to either. Oftentimes, the, t- the times where I realize how desperately I need prayer and I need to come to Jesus or when I hit this point where, where whatever it is I'm running to just doesn't work anymore. It's not producing any water anymore. In 2015, I was diagnosed with cancer. In a simple way to describe what that time in my life felt like, is, it just felt like all the wells just broke in my life. All the things that I was going to for significance, for understanding, for coping, for confidence, all those things just broke. And it changed my prayer life. It changed the way that I was interacting and coming to Jesus. This past January, when I had to go through chemo, it's the same thing again. It was just the, the experience of it. It was just like all the, all the wells just broke and there was, just one, there was only one place you can go. But, but what we do is we come to Jesus when we suffer, when we're going through a suffering, and I would define suffering as any experience in our lives where we don't have control. When we suffer, we want answers. That's what we want. Or at least that's what we think we want. And, and for me, even standing here right now, today, I want, there are things I want answers to right now today. There are questions that I wish I had an answer to. How how much longer am I going to have in remission? That's a question I wish I had an answer to. Uh, What am I going to have to go through in the future? What's it going to be like? What's it going to be like for my family? Whatever it is we go through. I wish I had answers to to those questions. But here's what I'm learning. As I'm learning to come to Jesus in prayer, what I'm learning is that there's actually something better than answers. When we come to him as the answer, what we get, he actually offers us something far better than answers. What we actually get is his abiding presence with us. I have four boys. They're all teenagers now. But I remember uh, when they were young, they all went through this phase. And if you have kids, you know this. They, They hit this age where all of a sudden they were just terrified of the dark. You know, and so you go to be putting them to bed at night or whatever, and they were just scared to death of the dark, right? Because in the dark, when, when the lights go out, you, suddenly all these questions arise. And at a certain age, these questions, you know, what, what's in my closet? What, what is, what's under my bed? What, what is it that made that noise out there? And so I, I remember going through this phase where I would go to say goodnight to him, you know, and I go to turn the light off. They say, dad, don't shut off the light. And then I, 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 they say, Dad, don't leave. Don't leave the room. So now I'm standing in the room with the light on. But the problem with that is you're not going to go to sleep. If I just stand here in the room with the light on, you're just going to look at me. You're just going to talk. You're never going to go to sleep. And then I'm never going to go to sleep. And then we're all going to be miserable in this house because nobody's sleeping. And so here's what I would do. I would give them a choice. And a couple of my boys especially, I remember them, they really went through fear of, about the dark Here's the choice I gave them. I said, okay, I can leave the light on, but I'm gonna leave the light on, but I'm gonna leave the room. And so you'll be able to see everything. You'll be able to see what made that noise. You'll be able to see what's in your closet. You'll be able to see what's under your bed, but you are gonna be completely alone in this room. Or the other option So I'm going to shut off the light. It's going to be completely dark in here. But I'm going to sit right in that chair, right by your bed, until you go to sleep, and I promise I am not leaving. You know which one they chose? 100% of the time. I cannot remember a time when I offered them that they didn't choose my presence in the room, even with the light off. You getting it? See, our hearts already know what we really need, ultimately. We don't need every question answered, all ambiguity erased, all of our doubts completely assuaged. What we really need is His abiding presence with us, even in the dark. That's true strength, that's true redemption. That's true salvation, his presence with us, even in the dark, he is with you. When the doctor gives you that news, he is with you. When your kid is making these decisions and you don't know where it's headed, he is with you when your loved one dies unexpectedly We've got some people in our church going through that, even just this past week. He is with you when the deal falls through and the money has run out. He is with you. He is with you, but you have to come to him. The invitation of Jesus is come to me. Not because I have answers, but because I am the answer. I don't have water. I am the water you're looking for. It's me. It's me. And what we're celebrating this morning in in baptism is actually such a perfect picture of that. Romans 6 talks about the symbolism of baptism. that It says just as Jesus uh, died and was buried, that we're buried with Christ in baptism. In other words, just as Jesus uh, uh, died, when we go under the water, what we're literally saying is, I'm dying. I'm dead. To these broken wells I run to. I'm dead to trying to fix it myself. I'm dead to trying to prove it myself, to try to find you know, some answer so that I can work harder, I can strive, and I can accomplish it on my own. I'm dying to that old life. And just like Jesus rose from the grave, when we come up out of the water, what we're saying is I'm, I'm rising to a new life in Christ. I've been made new in Jesus. I have a new life in him. That's what he offers us. That he is the source. So here's what I want to do. Would you bow your heads with me? Everybody on the room, and if you're watching online, we'd love for you to, to participate in this with us. I'm not going to so much say a prayer, because I think what's way more important is what you pray, rather than what I pray right now. So I'm just going to lead you in some guided prayer. Here's what I want you to do. I want you just to go to Jesus and just acknowledge the broken wells that you've been running to. Just say, Jesus, I admit, I confess that I have been running here and it's not working. Just tell him. just simply come to him come to come to Jesus just not for answers the goal is not for answers the goal is surrender Jesus I surrender to you I let you have it you take the burden I can't carry you take the life I can't live So Jesus we just thank you that you are what our souls ultimately need that you are the abiding presence with us even in the dark that you are the ultimate solution to every everything that we need everything that we ask for so we surrender to you today Jesus we believe that you are who you said you are and we surrender to you as Lord of our lives would you lead us God Would you would you walk with us We ask in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. We're going to turn the corner now and we're going to celebrate baptism. We're going to celebrate new life in Jesus. So here's what I want to invite you into. Uh, In a moment, we're all going to stand in the room and we're going to sing a song together. And as we do that, If you've, uh, signed up to get baptized here, um, if you're ready to get baptized, I would love for you to join me and join Cody and the rest of us over here on this side of the room, over here by these, uh, black curtains. And then in a moment, uh, after we sing a song, we're going to baptize, people will get baptized here and then kind of walk off this way. Um, but here's the truth. We actually don't have very many people signed up for baptism. And most of the people who got signed up already got baptized first service, um, and I don't know, you know, why COVID numbers are up or what, what the reason is for that. But here's what I know. God has been moving powerfully in our church these last couple weeks. You just see, heard story after story of people experiencing breakthrough in their lives, breakthrough. And, and we also have an experience of a lot of people who are really hurting right now in our church. And so maybe you didn't sign up to get baptized. Maybe you didn't bring a change of clothes. Maybe your thought wasn't to get baptized today. But this morning, what you're hearing, if you're hearing the invitation of Jesus say, come to me, that's what he's saying. Come to me, not to these other things, not to these broken wells. Come to me. And if you know your next step is to get baptized, I want to invite you to make a bold move. We had people do this first hour too. But I want to encourage you to get up and walk over while we're singing this next song and join us over here on this side of the room, even if you didn't plan on getting baptized. Maybe you're like, well, I don't have a change of clothes. I didn't bring a towel. We've got towels. We've got uh, t-shirts for everybody who gets baptized. Don't get baptized to get a t-shirt, please. It's not worth that. Do it because you know ultimately you need to take this step and you know it's time. Don't leave this room today and just go back to empty wells. Don't do that. Don't do that. Make a bold move. Take the step. It's what we do as a church As we celebrate new life in Jesus. We stand next to each other as we step into this new life. As people come to him, we cheer and we celebrate. And that's what we're going to do if you're ready to do that. So will you do this? Would you stand in the room? And let's just sing and let's go for it. And if you're ready to get baptized, come and join us over here on this side of the room.